0: Father, we come to serve you through the preaching of your word. And Father, God Almighty, you know how we need your help, O God. For it's out of brokenness and weakness that we serve. And so we pray, O God Almighty, once again, you will outpour your spirit, O God. Not only upon the signer and the preacher, but also upon your people, Father. That those who speak and those who hear, we have something of your spirit upon them, O God. Father, we look to you and we ask for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this message um, this morning... Saved to serve. We have been looking at the Holy Spirit, looking at um, studying the person and the work of God's Spirit. And may I remind you that God Almighty, the Lord, is one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is Father, the Creator God. He is Son, the Redeeming God. He is Spirit, the sanctifying God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And our focus over the past few weeks has been really on Jesus' words. When he spoke and he he says something like, um, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, he who seeks, find, and he who knocks, the door will be open. Then he goes on to say, which one of you fathers, if your son asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Though you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, he says, will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so from that, we have been looking at the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, God wants to give you his spirit more than you want to ask for the spirit. He longs to outpour the spirit of God upon his church. And so we've been looking at, at that and um, the Holy Spirit work. And the spirit of God comes to help you to serve. Some of you want to serve. Some of you have come into the Christian life and you, and you want this. In fact, there's no greater privilege than to serve the almighty God. No greater joy than to serve the one who sits on the throne. I look forward, Kim and I look forward to Sunday because we're able to come and to serve, not just you, but more importantly to serve the one who sits upon the throne, the almighty God. And look at what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Just one day, he says, in your courts is better than a thousand other days elsewhere. Hallelujah. I would much rather to the psalmist be a doorkeeper. I'd rather serve in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know, my uh, father-in-law, when our children was very small, and they were going on holiday, and you know, you give them money for ice creams and sweets when they're going on, on holiday in August, and he was staying around us, Show them a 10-pound note and say, which one do you want? Do you want a 10-pound note or do you want a shiny 1-pound coin? <laughs> now, our children just look and they think, I had the shiny 1-pound coin. Every time. Because they didn't realize how valuable the 10-pound note actually was. They went for what looked shiny and glittery. You know, that's what we do all the time as men and women. In the world, we see the the glitz and the glamour of the world. Some of my friends went over to Las Vegas. And when you go over to Las Vegas, it's situated in the middle of a desert. That's where it is. And yet they go there, and people go there, and they see all the light and the glamour, and they think it's wonderful to be there. But actually, those glitz and glamour is like a one-pound coin that people grab hold of, and they leave the most expensive, worthwhile gift alone. The most wonderful gift is to be in the presence of being a service of the living God. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. But in order to serve, listen to me, in order to serve, in any capacity, we must first understand you need to be born again before you can serve Christ. You need to be born again. Before you can do any or think about serving, the Holy Spirit needs to make it clear to you that you need forgiveness, that you need cleansing, that you need a change of heart. The heart of stone, the heart of rebellion needs to be removed and a heart of flesh needs to be put in its place Something needs to take place in your life before you can serve the living Christ. The Holy Spirit's job, his work, is to make you, to cause you to be born again. But you know what? Satan also has a work to do, the devil's got a work. He's working even this morning. He never stopped working. He's working even this morning. What is his work? If the Holy Spirit's work is to cause men and women to be born into the kingdom of God, what is Satan's work? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, look what it says. The God of this age, that is another title for Satan. He's called the God of this age. Has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan, the God of this age, he's working even this morning. And his main job is to blind the minds of unbelievers, to cause them to, to turn around and look at the light of the gospel and say, that is a nothing, that is something I don't want. In fact, the darkness I prefer. And Satan is at work even this morning. You know, he's probably got a front row seat every time I get up to preach. He's probably waiting for you to go out the door so you can snatch the word right out of your mind so when you get into the car, you can't even remember what I'm preached about. He's probably trying to lull you into a sleep even while I'm speaking and your eyelids are getting heavy and you feel that you can have another nap even while while you're in church. All of that points to the enemy at work. In order to blind the minds. But the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. Once the Holy Spirit comes. And begins to open and shine a light. Into your dark mind. Then you begin to become awakened. Something has happened. You realize that you are on the brink. Of losing your soul into hell. And you wake up. And you turn from your wicked way. You turn from the the, the way that you know is to be evil. And you turn and you have faith in the living Christ. That is the spirit of... No man can do that job. No preacher can do that job. That job can only be done by the spirit of the living God. At work in you. And so, in order to serve, we have to... Think about, first of all, being born again. And if you're not born again, you are unable to serve in the kingdom of God. So, three things I want to say about service. First of all, the spirit in Christ. It's very interesting that the Holy Spirit is not just seen in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is seen also in the Old Testament as well. And it's very interesting because um, when you see him in the Old Testament, you see him doing great things. One of the um, examples in the Old Testament is a man by the name of Samson. Some of you have heard that man's name before. Samson who had um, strength. But I'm so glad that his strength was not connected to his hair. You may think it was. You may think to yourself, oh, I remember Samson. He was a guy who had long hair, and if you cut his hair, he would lose his strength. That is not true. Samson's strength was not connected to his hair, and I'm glad that is the case, because, you know, I haven't got much hair on top of my head. I was talking to Ez the other day. He's got no hair on top of his head. So I'm glad, Ez, that he's not connected to our hair. It's connected to something else. Look what the Bible says, what it's connected to. Speaking about Samson, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Here he has an incident in his life. A lion comes upon him. The Bible says not that he just flexed a few biceps. Not that he suddenly became, got his weight training gloves out. No, the Bible says the spirit Spirit of God came upon him in power. Another time, the Spirit of God came upon him in power. That he took a, a, a jawbone of a donkey, the Bible says. And with a jawbone of a donkey, he slew a thousand men. That's not, that's not normal. That's not possible. But it was when the Spirit of God came upon Samson in power. He was able to do great things for God. And the Bible says that Samson was the beginning of the deliverance of Israel. He was the beginning. But come with me to the New Testament. And you find someone who comes to finish the work. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we see a change. Because Jesus Christ gets baptised. And John the Baptist gave testimony of what he saw. Look what John the Baptist says. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. The Holy Spirit didn't come down and then, like Samson, come down for a few moments, give him the strength and power, then move away. And in another time, come upon Samson, give him the strength and power, then move away. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament upon Jesus Christ came upon Jesus in power and remained upon Jesus. And so Jesus Christ was one who had the Holy Spirit constantly and without measure upon him. So that when he spoke, he said this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of God is upon me. Why? He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Jesus is no ordinary man. You cannot line him up with Muhammad. You cannot line him up with Buddha. You cannot line him up with Gandhi and say, look at these wonderful teachers and these men who've done some lovely things in our system. You cannot line him up. Why? Because Jesus had the spirit of the living God dwelling upon him in power and in great authority. Samson took out a thousand men with one jawbone of an axe, but Jesus comes and he defeats death itself. How wonderful. He comes, and this is who we are dealing with on a Sunday morning. This is when you come to worship and you praise Christ. You're talking about him who has the spirit of the living God dwelling upon him. So my first thing, the spirit in Christ. But then I go on to the command of Christ, and I will ask this question. How about you? I've just spoken about how the Spirit of God remained upon Christ. But how about you? Well, Jesus was very clear. When he had these 12 men or so following him, they have been following him for the past three years, his disciples. After he was crucified, after he was buried, after he rose again from the dead the bible says that jesus showed himself to these men i want you to show you what he says in acts we read ready in our bible reading this says this after his suffering he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. I love that verse. He gave them many convincing proofs. These men, after he died and rose again from the dead, he had to make sure that these men knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was alive. So that when once they were coward, once they were timid, once they were hiding away in an upper room, but once they knew that Jesus was alive, they were willing to give their lives for Him. And many of them, even 11 or so of them, died as (laughs) martyrs because they were so convinced that Jesus was alive. He gave them many convincing proofs. In fact, I just. Realized, saw yesterday there's a new film coming out by Sony called Risen. And um, it looks pretty good. It looks better than Batman versus Superman. Um, and it was a tremendous uh, trailer that I saw called Risen. And you might need to look at that on, on, on the YouTube if you can. It seems really good. It's a proof about Jesus Christ. But even though these men had those convincing proofs, and they did, I don't know what Proofs he gave them. I know that he sat with them. He ate with them. After he died and rose from the dead, he sat with them. He ate with them. He told them to touch him and to feel him and to know that he's alive. And he didn't, wasn't alive as a weak man coming out of the grave just happening to, to crawl out. He was alive with strength and vigor. Brightness. And these men, they, they had all of that. And they were excited. Okay, Jesus, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. We're ready to go out and tell everybody that you're alive. And Jesus said, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. But Lord, we've seen the convincing proofs. We've seen you alive. We've touched you. We've felt you. We've seen you with our eyes. You're, You're alive. We're ready to go out and tell everybody, no, you're not. I can remember a time when Kim and I were young parents. Benjamin was about four years old. And Joseph was just born as the baby. He was in church. And um, not this church, but in Clemenceville Baptist Church. And we was in church and, and we, um, we had to feed the baby. Kim was breastfeeding the baby at the time. So we had to get home and feed the baby. So Kim said, let's get everything together and we'll get home because Joseph is ready for his feeding time. And so we got everything ready, the bags in the car, you know, I grabbed hold of Benjamin, got him in the car, got Kim, got her in the car, we got in the car, just about to start the car up, and then Benjamin at the back, piped up, he said, mum, you forgot Joseph. (laughs) The very reason why we was going home, the very reason why we was getting to our house to feed him, was to... To get Josie fed, but actually we left him in the church, and I rushed back into the church, thinking that he's going to feel deserted and damaged for life. And there was old ladies all cuddling him and stuff, and we got him, but got him back safely. But we was leaving behind something very important. Jesus said to the disciples, you want to go out, but you're leaving behind something very, very important. What is it? Look at the verse he says. On one occasion, while he was eating with them. I just love that. I just put it together there. The risen Lord eating with them. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait. For the gift my father promised, which I've heard me speak about, he goes on to say that you will be baptized, you will have a, a filling of the Holy Spirit, but don't go, don't rush out. Wait for that. Now when I'm thinking to myself, what is waiting? We don't like waiting, do? we, we don't like waiting for anything. So what is waiting upon God? i tell you what waiting upon God. Waiting upon God is an awareness in your time of prayer that you're completely empty. That you cannot do anything without his help. You cannot be able to open your mouth without him. You cannot live day, an hour without him. And so you come before him in his presence and you wait upon him. Well, why? Because that waiting reminds you that you are in total dependency upon him. I want to tell you, last week when I preached that spirit of God that came upon me, it's done from last week. I did a fresh anointing of the spirit of God for this week. And I need a fresh anointing of the Spirit of God for the next week. And a fresh anointing. It's not about having a second blessing. Having one experience. I'm not preaching one experience. Or, or, and saying that that is what you need. No. I need not just one. Not just a second. Not just a third. Not just a fourth. I need a continual experience and feeling of the Spirit of God. Now you may not be preachers but you're not all different to me. If you're a born-again Christian, you're a servant of the Almighty God. And you can do nothing on your own. You need to get before God like these men. Jesus told them, hang back in Jerusalem. You might have convincing proofs. You might be eating with me and seeing me for 40 days, but don't leave Jerusalem until you get a hold Of the spirit of God to serve me. And this is what this church needs. We need it as a church. We need a church to turn around and say. We might have I don't know 70, 80, 90 people in this room. But we are weak and we are feeble and we are frail. We need the spirit of God to come upon us. Even though we have a thousand people in a huge auditorium. We are still weak and feeble. Until the spirit of God." Come upon us. That is what you and I need. And we need to leave this church this morning, get home and say to our wives, our husband, you know, I'm, whoever is in the home, I'm just going to spend some time waiting upon God and, and, and looking at how weak and feeble I am and saying, oh God, do a work and fill me. Do a work and fill me. Praise God. Let's just finish and talk about as I close the work of Christ. What will the Holy Spirit enable you to do to serve Christ? I've got four things that the Holy Spirit will help us to do. The first thing that He will help us to do, He will help us to witness. Look what it says in the scriptures. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of people. Before he even addressed the people, something had to happen to Peter before he could speak. In fact, the rulers and the elders looked at them and thought, these men are unschooled men. What? They don't seem to have a where did they get this knowledge from? Where do they get this boldness from? How come they can speak like that? Well, there it is. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit spoke. We all know how difficult it is to speak for Christ, isn't it? We all know how difficult it is to speak for Christ in any setting. We can talk about our films, we can talk about our holiday snack, talk about our children, we can talk about anything in the round the world. We can talk about anything. But isn't it difficult to say a word about Jesus? And even though it's so difficult, the Bible says you need somebody. You can't do it in your own strength. You need someone to help you. You need someone to fill you. You need someone to give you the strength and the boldness. Because if you was on your own, and we all know we've been on our own, we lack the boldness and the strength to say I'm a Christian. i got a church. What you're doing, what you're saying is wrong. We lack that boldness. But I'm telling you, when you get along with God and He begins to fill you with His Spirit, He gives you the strength to witness. But what else He gives you? Well, we see in the Scriptures, there's healing. Look what the Bible says here. In Acts 5, Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Who done all the healing? Was it Peter, John, the apostles? As reminded us on Thursday, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. It was the Spirit of God who done the healing. I'm tired of hearing these American preachers or British preachers who think that come to me, give me your money and I'll heal you. Any one of us filled with the spirit of God can pray for somebody. Any one of us filled with the spirit of God, can come against any wicked and evil spirit in the name of Jesus. Any one of us. Why? Because the spirit of God can fill you. So you can serve him out there. But also, helping. I can hear somebody say, we're helping? I can do that with my eyes closed. But you know, anything you do With your eyes closed, it's not from the spirit of God, it's not serving God, you're serving yourself. I had a few friends just told me last week, or this week just gone, they were in London and they saw a man on the floor begging, sort of begging. He was freezing cold. So three of those guys decided to go into a shop and to buy this guy some gloves and some coat. And some socks and some trousers. They brought him a whole heap of warm clothes and they brought it out and they gave it to him. This happened on Thursday or Wednesday last week and they gave it to him. And this man turned around and said, Oh, thank you very much. Now, if they had to turn around and It's okay, mate, anytime. That would not be a work of the Spirit. But they turned around and said, Don't thank us, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. He is providing for you. And that is the difference. Between serving with the Holy Spirit upon you and serving because you want to get a good brownie point for yourself. Look what the Bible says about these men. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be what? Full of the Holy Spirit. What? You mean to wait on tables? You mean they've got widows and you've got um, orphans and you've got people who are disabled and you've got old people? You mean I have to wait on them? And in order to wait on them, i have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely right you've got to be filled with the spirit of God to help even in the small task because all that we do has to point and give glory to Christ. If it's pointing to yourself, it's not from God, it's from yourself. So we we like that, we praise God. I praise God. I pray that God will give us a spirit, a Holy Spirit to help us to witness that we might be able to give testimony of why we are Christians. I will pray that God will give us the spirit of healing that people will not only be released from demonic evil spirits, but they will have healing as well in their bodies and their mind and released from even physical ailments by the power of God. I pray that God will so outpour his Holy Spirit upon us that we'll be able to do things that help one another. Maybe holding someone's hand and praying with somebody. Maybe just delivering Some food parcel. Maybe do something really simple and yet you do it with the spirit of God upon you. But the fourth one, I know we don't really like so much. But it's there. We need the spirit of God in suffering. Look at Stephen. When the members of the Sahedron heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. That is Stephen. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Stephen was about to be martyred. Stephen was about to be stoned. And I want to tell you, stoning is no pretty thing. I, I, I was in a art gallery the other day and I, and I was looking at a stoning, a, a painting of the stoning of Stephen and I just, just stood there for a good five minutes looking at this, this artist's impression and there was a man on the floor who's supposed to be Stephen and there was holding big rocks over his head. When you think about stoning you think little pebbles may be knocking you out unconscious before you die but no, Huge rocks was being held above this man's head. And just before he dies, just before he suffers in that way, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a game. He's not a toy. He's not someone to play around with. He comes to men and women to get them through a very dark and wicked world. He doesn't come to give you experiences to help you um, have a nice time all by yourself. He comes so that you will serve others and give all the glory to Christ. And so even in suffering, even in going through hard times. You need to come before God and say, Oh God, I cannot face another day. But if you fill me afresh with your spirit, I will get up again, oh God. And though I'm knocked down, I'm not destroyed. The Holy Spirit is given. So you will be useful in a master's hands. So in closing... Whose hands are you in? Are you in God's hand? Filled with the spirit and useful. Are you in the hands of the spirit of this age? The God of this age? Are you in Satan's hands? And with his spirit, filling you and controlling you? Jesus will say to you this morning and to me, do not leave, but wait, seek, carry, spend time in saying to God, O oh God, my heart is deceitful, fill me with your spirit, show me my sin, show me my need. I know, Lord, that when I leave this place, other things will pull me back into the world. But, oh God, I'm crying out to you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit that I might be useful to you for your kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We come to you because we believe that you are an almighty God. And we do not want to, we want to have great expectations of you. We do not want to belittle you, to put you in a box and say you can only do certain things. Lord, we believe that you want to do mighty things through your church. And Father, whether we are called to witness And to preach in great places. Whether we are called to suffer in small places. We pray God that you will fill us with your spirit. Oh God. That we might be able to sing praises to you. That we might walk. Not looking at our own strength. Or our own ability. For we realize our own strength and our own ability is but dung. It's rubbish. Oh God, we want your strength. We want your ability. So fill us, Father. Give us what you promised. Fill us with your spirit, I pray. That we might be useful in your hands. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.